ahead, go ahead. All I know is that he has a cat, and he's like, oh, hey, there's a thin line between horror and comedy, so I'm going to try to do a horror series about, like, crazy cat. <laughs> oh, my God. No, because it's, it, like, he's basically just was just a normal kid growing up. He was born in 1963 in Japan, and then... Um, uh, a lot of basically a lot of his stories took influence from like other horror manga writers and uh, um, H.P. Lovecraft. Yeah, he is a big Lo- fan of H.P. Lovecraft. The Lovecraft oh, yeah. is the Did Lovecraft. Did we start the episode apparent. already? <laughs> I'm sorry. Did you not record that? Okay, okay. Oh, let's start. Let's start this over. Okay, should we start? Because we, it's obvious we want to talk about this. Yeah. Right. Yes. I mean, we've we've all started twice though so far. <laughs> I'm ready when you are. Hello, and welcome to Darkly Lit. I am your host with the mostest, Kayla Berry. And uh, we've got our normal eclectic group. We have Mr. David King. I all I see, wherever I look, Uzumaki. Naruto Uzumaki? Yeah, the, you know. <laughs> Believe David, it. are you at an anime convention? Believe it, no. I'm at a, I'm at a, I'm in a hotel room at a, at a gaming convention. What I don't it? think I believe you. Naruto, all that I see. <laughs> and then uh, my main co-host, or the wonderful editor and recorder for this, Sade. Hello, I'm Sade. I am, I don't know what I am, full of anxiety and self-doubt. You're wonderful. You're spiral. <laughs> You're spiraling out of control. Yeah, that's, that sounds about right. <laughs> and then uh, our uh, spookiest with the... Mookiest CF Comer. <laughs> Yo, CF Comer, and I've been severely sick recently. <laughs> I feel like this whole the past month has just been a spiral. Yeah, because <laughs> yeah. Chelsea was sick. I sprained my ankle. <laughs> um, I I had a pretty depressive episode that I'm still trying to crawl out of. I'm fine. David's oh God, next. David's next. David's, David's next. David's the one that got spared and turned into a snail. Yep. Yep. Yeah. Uh, that's why I'm glad we never do. I'm glad this is a podcast and we don't do this like with webcam or anything or anything <laughs> weird like that because you would just see a pair of eye stalks just slowly waving back and forth. <laughs> if you, By the way, I'm a snail. <laughs> if you if you haven't guessed, um, we just read Uzumaki by Genji Ito. That was the winning graphic novel for. Uh, December, or January, January, sorry about that. What should we do? Should I uh, talk about Genji Ito? Because there's not much to tell. Can we talk about his cat? Let's <laughs> talk about Genji's cat. Yeah. yeah let's start with Junji, uh, his his bio, and then we'll, we'll talk about his cat the whole episode. Yes, I approve of this. I mean, well, there's not much to tell about Genji Ito. There's more to tell about his cat than him. <laughs> He was born in 1963 in um, the Gifu, I, I'm probably butchering this, the Gifu uh, pre- Prefecture? Prefecture? Yeah, Prefecture. Uh, and he grew up a normal childhood for the most part. And actually before he became an artist and writer, he was actually a dental technician. What? Yeah, yeah, I heard about that. Um, it was until the late '80s that he submitted a short story and won an honorable mention. But then that story ended up being uh, Tomie. I think that's how it's pronounced. Oh, Tomie. Mm-hmm. Yeah, uh, Uzumaki was his second work. Oh. I mean, he was a big fan of uh, horror writers. Uh, his uh, inspirations were I'm going to butcher it. Uh, Hideshi Hino, uh, Shinichi Koga, Okoga. Shinichi Koga. Uh, Yusutako uh, Sutsui. And uh, this one I, this one we know very well. He actually really loves H.P. Lovecraft. Those Asian paintings. <laughs> uh, which actually makes a, sen- a lot of sense uh, when you think about it for uh, Uzumaki. Mm-hmm. There's, there's a lot of cosmic horror going on in this graphic novel. Oh, yeah. Uh, I guess we should describe the summary for Uzumaki now. All right, I got the summary this time, and I want you guys right. to know. I tried You've writing. I, hard. I have. I had to restart this over twice this morning. No, no one, no one blames you. It's there's Uzumaki. a lot. There is a yes, lot to go there, over. There so. is a lot that happens because it does uh, go. It starts out kind of like short stories, and then it kind of escalates into this one narrative. But okay, here. Would you Would you say that eventually it all tightens up and spirals together? <laughs> Into I would say that. <laughs> yeah. Oh my god. Okay. Well, we start 
we were first introduced to Kirie, a high school student from the small seaside town of Kurozucho. Soon after, we meet her boyfriend, Shuichi, and we follow the two of them through a series of bizarre events as Kurozucho and all of its inhabitants literally spiral into madness. Uh, Shuichi, who, who attends a high school in the next town, is the first to become aware that something is not right with their hometown, noting the uh, strange frequency of small whirlpools that appear in water around town and like the small gusts of whirlwinds that he... Things that he doesn't notice outside of their town. Uh, when Suichi's father becomes obsessed with spirals, collecting them in every form possible, and his mother then becoming completely horrified by the pattern, and then this leads to both their deaths, Suichi is convinced that the town is becoming infected by spirals and becomes uh, something of a recluse. Things get even weirder when the smoke from cremated bodies form dark spirals in the sky and then are sucked into Dragonfly Pond, which is near Kirie's home. Kirie's own father becomes obsessed with the art of the spiral when his pottery, made from clay from the pond, deforms with the spiral patterns and the faces of the deceased. Spirals begin to appear and transform the people of Kurozucho in more ways, from hair curling into sentient, energy-draining spirals, lovers that are kept apart begin twisting their bodies together so they can't be pulled apart, pregnant women who feast on uh, human blood like mosquitoes, and then their babies that insist on returning to the womb, and finally people even start turning into giant human snails. Finally, the town is plagued by hurricanes, destroying most of the buildings. What's left is destroyed by some of the surviving residents, all of whom now have this dangerous ability of causing powerful whirlwinds with the slightest gesture or breath. The only buildings, strangely, that are able to withstand the winds are a handful of old, dilapidating row houses. People begin to crowd into them for refuge, so much so that their bodies become entangled with each other. While uh, Kirie and Shuichi and a few others attempt to escape the town, the townsfolk expand the sides of the row houses to make them to make more room, and then they all connect and create a giant spiral. But then when everyone inside disappears, Kirie and Suichi follow the spiral to the center of town where Dragonfly Pond has emptied out and revealed an ancient stone spiral staircase leading down into the depths of Earth. In search of Kirie's parents, they descend downward, falling into an immense Lovecraftian-scale city of spirals where the ground is pretty much lined with not only the people from Kurozucho, but also with people who had lived in the area before them and also succumbed to the spiral's curse. Their bodies all entangled and dormant and turning to stone. And unable to continue forward, our protagonist Kirie and Suichi lay down together, their bodies and limbs wrapping together, and they too surrender to the spiral. Uh, so was... I, really like, I really like this uh, story. Yeah. Yes, it, it is. Really good. It is a good read, and you can definitely like get it all in one night. So I definitely recommend to anyone who hasn't read it already and is listening. There's the whole yeah, story, I, but I, go I, read hey, it for yourself. Spoilers! Spoilers! <laughs> it does not have a happy ending. Well, I mean, as say it has just said, yeah, it doesn't end very happily. As you know, as horror, most horror should. You know. What's interesting is with this one is that um, I mean, it starts out with like. St like situations and it's like kind of like a scary thing of the week until it actually delves into like transforming into the town to what it is and actually all the stories start to connect near the end mm -hmm. as to say this is why what's resulting of it yeah the first maybe like the first half because i know there's like 20 chapters i think like about the first 10 it's almost like a, a themed an, uh, anthology where each story is a, it's a different story but they all have mm -hmm. that spiral theme Mm -hmm. Until until then, finally we get to where things start to die together, spiral together. Uh, How many times uh, are we gonna say spiral in this episode? Oh, so God. many spirals, so little well, time. Well, the other the other key thing going on in the story though is the idea of obsession, and in the course mm. of talking during this podcast, we've become obsessed with spirals ourselves. The spiral is the symbol of obsession, so Very we are going to be obsessed with saying spiral over well, and over again well, throughout this podcast. And it makes sense. Like, when you obsess with something, you start to spiral out of control. Mm -hmm. uh, even even the author is not immune to it because he keeps writing his little in-between moments about how he's obsessed with finding the truth about spirals. Yeah. Of course, that it's all played tongue-in-cheek. That was actually interesting. I'm like, oh, hi, Junji Ito. 
Yeah, those cute little like insert mini chapters. Those were cute. I like the yeah. little word bubbles that point out my editor, Nakagumi. <laughs> <laughs> it's funny because like a part of me was like, why isn't at this point Kilie just leave this town now before it gets worse? Oh, she loves her parents too much to leave. No, mm-hmm. I know. And so she's just like, please, let's just go. You don't go out. Of, you don't go out of town. You don't know what it's like. And the fact that. Everything kind of seems to reset after every horrible incident shows that the spiral's effect on the town is like, like, as you kind of wonder, like, it seems a little bit game breaking that all these hideous things happen and no one freaks out. And then you realize it's got a placating, there's a placating effect on Kurozu Cho. Like, no one outside of town see, understands how weird things are until it's too late. And nobody inside town realizes how weird things are. Right. Wait, did I say outside or inside? You said outside, outside I think. Well, no one outside knows that, but, but yeah, I meant I meant inside when I said outside. That's my brain spiraling. Anyway, uh, <laughs> but it's actually really interesting. Uh, one of the the key aspects of it is being like how it starts. It, it does. I think it builds in actually a pretty good way. You know, mm. like it starts low key and then the, everything gets ramped up at a, at a pace that I think is pretty good. Yeah. And the way that different natural and unnatural spirals are incorporated is very good. And I think what, what one of the strengths for me is just that all the spirals that show up feel like they're part of the, the world around them just exacerbated, mm-hmm. you know? Mm-hmm. With like the way the way the first chap the first few chapters go and there are different stories like the whole the storyline it actually does kind of follow the spiral where on the outside it's it they're they're longer so the story is a little slower we're taking time for the with the individual chapters and then as we get closer and everything is tighter then the story picks up much faster and yep. goodness glaciers <laughs> <laughs> what a what a bizarre framing device I mean yeah. spirals of all things. It off, like a spiral does offer to a lot of good imagery, and I mean uh, Junji Ito has been described as the David Cronenberg of manga. <laughs> <laughs> so um, there's definitely a lot of body horror in this. Uh, I mean, he, oh I, my god, I love the way he draws. Like, oh my god, I love the way he draws. Mm-hmm. I mean, I want to say for like the first few chapters, that was actually one of the things he would do is like something's not right, something's not right, and then the ending is, like, some awful body horror, horrible thing that happens. You're like, what the... Like, And he's really good at framing it in, like, page turns, too. Yeah, yes. he is. Yeah, you always get those the characters kind of responding, or, like, um, we see their reaction to whatever they're seeing first at the end of one page, and then you turn, you finally see what they're seeing. <laughs> and he uses he, it so well. It's very does. good. It, it, yeah, usually, like, if this was a... Like, I think if it was this, it could be done horribly, like in a horror film. Like, you know how people would like, the reveal! And it's not, it's like, oh yeah, I was totally expecting it. With this, you don't know what's going to happen. Like, you know it's something going to be horrible, but you don't know the imagery coming out of it in the next page. It's good, because usually, like, the reveal is almost like practically a a full-page spread of the horror. Mm -hmm. Right. Like, of the reveal, which is very good. Like, even with the, uh, the one where, um, you know that this doctor has done the surgery of putting the baby back into the womb, Mm. and you're just like, even though you know that this is what's happened, you're still like, oh god, what is it gonna look like? And then when it does turn to the next one, you're like, oh, oh! And then what results of it is still pretty frightening. Mm-hmm. It's not so much the reveal itself that was the the horrible, like, frightening part, but it was, like, the, the lead-up yeah. to the reveal yeah. is, is so well done. And it's the when you see the end result, it is genuinely hideous. Yeah. It's amazing what his mind can think up, like, in terms of, okay, what has a spiral and what can I use for each story? The first one is just the typical spiral and then leading to uh, his mom being obsessed with getting rid of spirals, then explaining, like, oh, it turns out there's a spiral in her ear. Like, oh, my God. Yeah, that, was, that was a And horrifying. then she cuts it out, and she has to deal with the vertigo. Yeah. I feel like she's always in a spiral. But then it's like... <laughs> Whoops. He, yep. he thinks of other stuff, like, oh, yeah, a snail has a spiral, adds that to it. Oh, hairs can, hair can spiral, adds that to it. It's just... Oh, lighthouses have spiral staircases. Oh, yeah, yep. Mm-hmm. It, he just basically, it's like he listed down every single thing that has a spiral and then thought, what could I do with this? 
How do I tie it in with the theme How of obsession? How can I make this terrifying? Exactly. It's it's so simple, but you really break down one theme like that, and it works out very well. I actually think it, when it was still kind of the monster of the week chapters, what always amused me was Shuichi being like, it must be the curse of the spiral. And he would say it, and everyone else would kind of look at him like, dude, are you nuts? Completely not remembering <laughs> what happened in previous episodes. Yeah. <laughs> it's like, God, what's wrong with you? It's not like you just witnessed your dad spiraling, <laughs> turn into a spiral or anything. I feel the worst for his character and like he was definitely my favorite for me because he could have oh, gotten out like early on he was like we gotta get the fuck out of here yeah. yeah he was that person that would have survived a horror movie oh absolutely oh Shuichi is the sane man in an insane world yeah you feel bad for him and then it's uh, funny because like he lost both his parents and everyone's like oh yeah he's weird I'm like are you kidding me Lost both his parents for God's sake. I mean, at least at least he didn't have to deal with a breakup on top of that, though. Like, That's true. His he, girl was like right next to him. Oh um, yeah, he he and Kyrie were very close. It's funny because in the first story, it didn't say they were in a relationship, but then the next episode, it says, "Oh, it, uh, she uh, he's her boyfriend," and it's like, "Oh, okay, that happened." And maybe often, maybe it did happen in that in that time. Yeah. Maybe. You know how often in, and uh, this is true of me, but you know how a lot of, in, in my mind, a lot of manga, a lot of anime, uh, they it's a story about the tease and leading up to two characters potentially or not potentially getting together. It's kind of nice to see an established, strong relationship that lasts throughout the whole series. Yeah. yeah. I also, yeah, I agree. It, it was really kind of cute when uh, that hurricane was like obsessed with uh, Kirie. <laughs> and he's like, I think I have a rival now. <laughs> oh, oh my, my God. God. So yeah. cute. I like that Shuichi would only consider the hurricane a rival because there was also that Jack in the Box kid. Yeah. Yeah. Who had the hots for Kyrie. But he was like, hey, he was ready to stab that kid in the heart. Oh, yeah. <laughs> That's true. <laughs> and also, he knew that, like, he was it, basically, it's like an annoying little kid who wouldn't leave her alone. So it was like less of a rival and more like, like, oh, God, he needs to leave. Yeah, that kid was obnoxious. <laughs> I will jump out at you. Love me. I I think that, I mean, it was still a good story, don't get me wrong. I think that was the weakest story for me, though. Yeah, same. And, yeah, that one was pretty weak. It's pretty weak overall, but I think the, for me, it has some of, it, for me personally, it had some of the most horrifying imagery to me. The, mostly at the end when they dig up his corpse and then he's this rotting corpse just leaping after them. Yeah, and his intestines are just spilling out as he's Yeah, jumping. limbs are falling off Breaking and he's got this apart. like dead face It's with the, with the teeth all exposed. Ugh. That's the kind of stuff that would have given me nightmares as a kid. Oh man, for me it was the pregnant ladies. Like that, ugh. Actually, as I, a lady, I was, like that was terrifying to me. Yeah, oh, th yeah. that, was the, that was the other one that really got to me was the whole, and then realizing that all the, the quote unquote mushrooms were actually like the placenta. placenta. Yeah. Oh. So and the baby's just speaking and it didn't it didn't gross me out too much world. until they like started eating the mu placenta mushrooms raw. Uh, oh yeah, the people yeah. finding them and just being like, Oh, it's the delicious mushrooms. I'm actually curious. What was what what do you think uh, for you for each of you personally, what would what do you think was your most horrifying uh chapter of the story? Pregnant ladies. Like okay. I don't know, like children and pregnancy already kind of like ick me out. So mm -hmm. having those as like the body horror and putting them back in after they came out, like, oh, you just went through like dealing with pregnancy and now it's just back in you. Like, oh, yeah. see, oh. See, see, honestly, I, I agree with you. What What's funny part is it's not the one where the pregnant ladies are sucking people's blood for some reason i'm like that doesn't bother me well they're, yeah, they're, no, it's they're, like the, it's, the crazy thing is they're doing it with those hand saws to those hand drills too yeah. which by the way there's another spiral in there yeah, yeah. It, it's yeah again it's when i think it gets to the point when you realize oh my god he's putting the baby back in the womb oh my god the he's trying to sew the baby back in the room and it's her cousin so it's like yeah. oh my god oh my god oh like my that's god. just yeah, it's just horrifying to me. Yeah, it, that and the uh, the girl with the crescent on her face, crescent-faced oh, head girl. The spiral oh, that ate her, her up. Name. Yeah, like that was, like, that I don't was know, actually, the imagery I, I think my favorite one. <laughs> like the imagery of just her like on the ground with half her body consumed by the spiral from her head just always stuck with me. Ugh, yeah. Well, that's a, I, I think that's like, <laughs> 
one of the more famous images from this uh, manga. Like when I looked up Uzumaki, that would be one of the first images that would pop up is her uh, with a spiral behind her eye. Yeah. Like taking up half her face. Mm-hmm. Uh, the fact that her eyeball is disconnected and just sitting in the spot where the rest of her like head should be. It's, it's awful. It's a great image though. It's it is. so, I, that's what I mean. It's awful. It's in the so best good. Way. It's awful. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> awful in the best way. Yes. Yeah. For me, uh, the one that made my skin crawl and they all do. That's the good thing. This is an effective one. Some of them are a little less than others, but the one that got to me was literally the one where they were living in the row house and they started getting the, the spirally sort of skin bumps and warts. Oh, yeah. Uh, yeah. And then their neighbor just turns into this mass of just like these coney spirals. Like that freaked me out. I could yeah, see that. that. That was pretty creepy. Yeah. Well, I have a, I have a real I have a real fear of like anything involving like parasites or like um, skin infections and little little tiny sort of discrepancies that pop up. So slowly being covered in like these spiraled growths, skin growths, like freak, it really freaked me out. <laughs> and I think I can see a good fear in that because that's actually, I mean, there's a bit more realism to it because it's like they move into a new house. The house is definitely not stable at all. But then you discover you're getting skin lesions from whatever is in the house. And that's kind of a th- frightening thought. It's like discovering you have bed bugs. And oh, yeah, like, yeah. Oh, bed bugs. Mm-hmm. Ugh. Ugh, dude. Okay, our new house Ugh. has ants. And I woke up to ants in my bed yesterday. Oh, no. Oh, no. <laughs> you know, I was, okay, you just made me think of, like, so when, when, the, when the town is pretty much decimated and everyone's, like, crowding into the row houses... What do you, we didn't? I wish we could have seen like all the people who went into that infected house. Oh. And they would have ended up all tangled on top of like being covered. on top of the little yeah. And yeah. would have had all the oh my gosh, that would have been great. Oh my gosh, yeah, because it was only that one row house, wasn't it? Mm-hmm. As yeah, far as we that we saw at least. There, there's one. There's one sp- in that huge chain of people that becomes part of it at the end. Uh, there's only somewhere in there. There's a section, a segment of the giant people train. That's all spiky. <laughs> the evil train. That's the way I thought it. Would, would the ex- infection have spread to the, all of it when they all connected? Oh God, that's a good question. Ooh. When all the row house. Well, what if it? What if it stopped manifesting in the same way, and it was just like because of the amount of people, it became less tight spirals and more like broad, and that people are spiraling together. Mm-hmm. Mm. 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 You know who I feel terrible for? The uh, the reporter. Oh, who got pulled yeah. into the oh, house. Yeah. She didn't get me through fast enough. She was the she was like the uh, unofficial like third main character. No, she was like the third main character for a bit. Yeah, yeah she was. Because I, I like mean, her. she was an outsider who suddenly was like, oh, I hear something strange going in there, and gets stuck, and you're just like, oh my god. And she's gone. You never see her again. I think the most heartbreaking chapter like the heartbreaking part is the snail people even like the snail like the origin of the snail story itself just kind of is a bit heartbreaking because it's a it's like this kid has become a snail now and he's just and then you think oh god he's just gonna be forever in this like shed i guess or cage and then like his parents they don't even they're like that's not our son and they like they just completely abandon him and that's why he ends up in the shed because the school has Mm -hmm. to take care of him Mm mm-hmm then his bully turns into a snail, and then they escape together into snail heaven. Have little they, snail they, babies. They mate because <laughs> snails are her. Oh yeah, that's right. They're yep. like, oh goodness. And then, and then the poor snail people, like in the future, because there's like no food anymore. They oh get, yeah, they get omnommed. That is probably the the only part that actually did gross me out was in like we're gonna eat the snails and then even more so in like I want to eat it raw. Oh, like man. And, and then the part where Suichi is just like yeah you know what we just we we're gonna we're just gonna eat them too. Yeah, yeah it, and it even says Kiri like at the last part it says um I had I had eaten a snail for the first time or I ate human snail meat that night. Yeah, yeah. and then her brother turns into a snail. Yeah, her poor bro. Her her brother is really the only character that survives all this when you think about it. I mean, we can assume. He's he's climbing on a cliff somewhere. Yeah. Hey, maybe that's where all those like ancient medieval snail people fighting paintings come from. <laughs> <laughs> they, they all came from Corrosion. Her brother Trail. escaped and went back in time. 
Well, actually, it's funny you mentioned that. I have this weird feeling that even in Kurosu Cho, time is a spiral. Yeah, they because do allude to that. It, yeah, they because they allude to it at the end, and they leave the the town in a state where only the row houses remain. Mm-hmm. What if it's cyclical? What if I mean, it is obviously cyclical, but what if like when people come to Kurosu Cho, because they said like the same moment it ended was the same moment it began, and I'm like, what if it just time just spiraled back on itself, and every time. Uh, people come into the into Kurozu Cho. They're just they're the same people that were eventually caught up in it before. Like, what if it just repeats itself with the same people? It's like time resetting. Oh, like they're all gonna come back to life and no, not that they're gonna come back to life. It's just it's just that it's just now that they've completed the spiral, time resets. Yeah, oh. so like the ruins, uh, the like for example, the ruins of Kurozu Cho stay there, and then the town gets rebuilt, except for those row houses that remain. The same people go through the same actions, retreat into the ground, and then it all resets again. Like, but it's it's like spiraling back to a certain point in time, you know. Well, that would be an interesting thought, because uh, did you guys read the one with the extra chapter that had to do with uh, Sarichi? Yeah. 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 I, w- I wonder, like, wait, would this would have happened before all of this, or is this happening yeah. after? Well, that's actually a good question, because, well, in the, that bonus chapter, Kirie has her hair. She hasn't, her hair hasn't been cut yet. So I no. just assumed it was early on. Yeah, like a prequel. That's a great barometer, by the way, of, of, of the timeline of the story. I like that you know when things are happening and that it's taking stuff into account is when she gets her hair cut. Well, because, like, she basically... It's fun, It's horrible because um, Kyrie only gets this hair because if, if the spiral is based off obsession, then this one girl's obsession with wanting to stand out basically affected Kyrie and is like, oh, her hair is all big now? I want my hair to be all big now. So we all gotta have eighties hair. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but uh the galaxies chapter though. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. I don't know. <laughs> when you think <laughs> yeah, about uh, so originally I did take it that it it was just this extra chapter that would have taken on early taken place early on in the story, but maybe it is uh, everything reset and it's just another piece that didn't get told in the first run. Mm-hmm. But it's all happening again. Yeah. You gotta wonder. Mm-hmm. The possibilities are endless here. Definitely. Um, but like the uh, resetting time thing does make me think for some reason of like one of his other works, the, uh, oh, what is that called? The one with the people shapes in the mountains. Oh, the, um, the, the, isn't it like the enigma of Amigara's fault? Yeah. 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 I actually, I, I, I read that before I read this story because it was recommended to me and God, that story is so good. I like how... So with that one, it's about like a, a group of people who discovered human-shaped holes in a um, mountain fault. I think this is one of the best comics I've ever seen give the feeling of um, claustrophobia. Mm-hmm. And then the ending is uh, to it is still just as disturbing. It does that hard-hitting like body horror ending that's like, oh, God. Right. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But like not knowing where those human shape holes came from or like why they match those people and could it just be time resetting like they, it reminds me of that for some reason yeah we do, in our questions we do one of our questions does ask if we want to talk about that one do we want to start diving into our questions yeah i think we should because i know i think we had one on twitter and then our good friend alex alex hatsberger sent us a, a nice handful and then nice. uh, beth actually sent three on discord let's let's start with the twitter one okay okay it's by at Jethro Reading. Now that I'm looking at the at sign and thinking of spirals, that oh it's no, like... oh no, Twitter has become infected with spirals. <laughs> okay, at Jethro Reading, thank you. Uh, do you think that the slightly more silly later segments, uh, the flying about bits particulars, subtract from the horror of the work? I think he's talking about when the humans can actually again create uh, wind tunnels but then they start being able to fly in the wind tunnels yeah they're like flying around in their little personal whirlwind um Um, go ahead (laughs) well it's kind of a nice little break in a way like having this bizarre sort of action almost action scene where you got this like 
gang of essentially this biker gang riding around in whirlwinds and ruining everything. But I also, but it is, I mean, there's a little bit of horror in there and that here's just a bunch of people who have embraced anarchy. You know what I mean? Like they just go around smashing everything and attacking people. I feel like it could have been a little more like he could have made it a little more scary like those people. It was more horrifying when it was the kids. Yeah, it was more horrifying when it was the kids. Like those three kids and then the two show up later and they're like, oh, the one kid died. So we're going to try and, you know, fuck you up. So (laughs) essentially, yeah, yeah, no, it was more terrifying when it was the kids. Um, I I understand that, like, he was trying to make, you know, biker gang horrifying lawless times, but he didn't quite, in my opinion, that was the one time where he didn't quite pull it off. Yeah, maybe that's one of the weaker weaker areas of the story what what's more horrifying to me is the way that people can't leave karozu cho through the tunnel mm-hmm. right mm-hmm. it just spirals back on itself or if they try to sail away they get sucked into a whirlpool or if they fly away yeah like airplanes that try to leave get sucked it, back to the earth yeah i think what he was trying to do is like add realism to what has basically become a apocalyptic world mm-hmm and how people would react to it, how uh, people would start to develop. I, but I think he does that more successfully with the people who start eating the snail people. That's more frightening than kids writing on uh, whirlwinds. But I don't see it's weak, but I don't see it detracting from the horror of this story at all. No, it well, doesn't. At this it, point, it gave it kinda... a nice, nice break, actually. Yeah, yeah that's, what I, that's what I was kind of getting at. At this like, point, at this point, we've already seen a lot of like fantastical elements. So them, it, it does seem kind of a little silly when you look at just that solely people riding around in whirlwinds. But I, I think like what Kayla was saying was trying to get the point across that there would be some people that just kind of embrace it and take what they have and make the best of it. Mm-hmm. I mean, riding around in whirlwinds and eating freshly baked snail meat sounds just a little bit better than turning into human headphones entangled in a building <laughs> everyone else yeah the, to me that's the the horror of the situation is more compounded to everything kind of addressed including like the overcrowding in the roadhouse yeah. in the mm-hmm. the row houses yeah and then eventually that overcrowding turning them into a again body horror of a people a train people train Yep. And them all shoving and so bad that they had to actually shove corpses of other spirally. By the way, it was, it was kind of like a, a dark, humorous moment when I realized, you know how they're in, in Japan, there's sort of that curly Q spiral shape that is often associated with like the comical image of poop. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> That's kind of what the corpses looked like. Yeah. They just get bumped outside. Oh, I didn't realize that. Makes, that. that makes sense, though, because if like if all these people were like entangled as just one giant mass, you could kind of see them as this one giant being. And so when someone inside it dies, they're obviously going to excrete, the, <laughs> you know, the bad yep. shit. So that was yeah, the that word I was thinking of, too. They literally yeah. excrete out members of theirs that die off. Yeah. Oh, my gosh. That's clever. Uh, and that they're complaining about the smell. The they complain about the smell of the corpses, which is, I mean, mm. natural. But oh, that's horrifyingly clever. Oh god. Okay, let's uh, let's move on to some questions from Alex. Um, okay. Thank you, Alex, always for your questions. Uh, so first one, Junji Ito's art style is remarkably different from other manga artists. I've seen his work described as Western and highly detailed. How do you think his art style contributes to the horror of Uzumaki? I feel like his art style is very fitting for the themes he goes for, just because it's Mm. not pretty. I feel like a lot of anime tries to be pretty or cute, and then they'll do horror things, and it's just, it doesn't mesh very well. Whereas his style, like, he has a tendency to make the eyes really dark and really detailed. Honestly, for some reason, just makes it feel a little scarier to me. Uh Uh-huh. Yeah, his style is based more in realism than other manga, but I've seen other manga that is semi-realistic too. The devil's in the details. Yeah, when you're dealing with like horror, it's it's that level of realism, especially if you're looking at an image that that makes it. You need that a certain level of realism. If you're yeah, have a, a horrifying oh. image. What I like about his style, especially, is that he Aww. is capable of doing these like really horrific images of just like twisted body horror, but he can also draw some really pretty girls. Yeah, like he is, PDA is very pretty, and even he's uh, good with the pretty girls. Yes, mm-hmm. 
Um, Suichi was pretty cute too before. Yeah, I, I actually really like him with the dark circles too. But yeah. um, I mean, I like him both ways. He's yeah. he, he, he's he's the he's the Power necessary couple. glasses character. He's, mm, he's, yeah, he but like, Suichi are like um, adorable. Yes, that, that image that we talked about that was uh, is that it's kind of iconic to the whole story of uh, this girl with the scar and how she's got the uh, the hole in her head with the eye just sitting there. Just like because that that right there is horrific. You got this huge horrific hole, but then the rest of her face is still gorgeous, and that that contrast just side by side is also really unsettling and what yeah, adds, but adds to the horror. She's gorgeous in a way that fits the theme. Yeah, yeah. She's, she's not like like typical anime girl pretty. Mm-hmm. So there's a there's actually a definition. She's kind of got that like Disney. She's kind of got that Disney villainess look to her. Yeah, bit, you know. Like, like, um, she's very Snow angular. White. Mm-hmm. So, uh, actually, they, there's this definition in film terms where, um, the, that there's two actual real genre, genres as comedy and uh, drama. The comedy, you actually have to put, like, the story has to be put away from you in order for you to laugh at it, where drama has to be more realistic so you can feel for it. And horror is a uh, subset of drama. So having that realism is what, like, especially in the how it looks and everything, makes it more horrific. Where, like, with a lot of um, manga, there is a lot of, like, comedic, comedic stories in manga, a lot of uh, silly moments in, um, like, the... Uh, uh, I'm trying to think of the the real name for, like, the magic girl type stories. Maho Shoujo? That's it. And et cetera, et cetera. Where this, this is pure horror. So it I needs... mean, Junji Ito has been quoted as saying that there is a thin line between horror and comedy, particularly about his series about his cat. <laughs> we, we've gone all this time without talking about the cat. We might just have to drop that at the, uh, you know, drop it in at the end. Yeah. Because we want to get through the questions. But yeah. But yeah, like he, he very much acknowledges that that is a thing. I could totally, I totally get that too. Mm-hmm. Think about all the horror comedies that exist. Yeah. I think it, one of the reasons, I think for me, one of the reasons it works so well is the detail is important when you're trying to like sort of ground yourself in this town. But then when things start getting really weird, the contrast is very different. For example, the scenes I found really striking between the way he draws people and the way he draws the environment is when they're walking through the, trying to go along that mountain trail and literally everything around them is starting to spiral. Mm. And it's so surreal looking. So the contrast between people who look relatively relatively detailed and then this almost Burton-esque world of just nothing but spirals. And then it even makes it stranger when they when they go to the 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 underground where the spiral city is and everything is still grotesquely detailed, but it's all still those that that surreal spiral line. Everything, mm-hmm. all the buildings, all the patterns, just the contrast I think is really important. Hmm. Understanding this is a world going wrong. So we, we I think we can all agree that that uh Junji Ito is a master of his craft. Oh I'd yeah. Say so. Yeah. Both as a writer and an artist. Uh what do Alex next question is what do you guys think of his use of sound effects as means to convey tension and the uncanny? For me I, I don't love know. It. Yeah. <laughs> love it. <laughs> Why do you love it? <laughs> I I just do. I think it fits very well. <laughs> the sounds are definitely um they're all like uncomfortable sounds. Like sounds mm. are like Ugh. it's they're not scary as they are just like but that doesn't detract from the horror and in it really just adds to it because it's like great now i feel uncomfortable and you're just about to make me feel scared thank you for that (laughs) this very important sound effect that we haven't really touched on it's a sound that pierces through your ears Mm. or i'm talking about the the curfew siren Uh, oh i kept i was there an explanation for that that i missed because i kept waiting no that's one of the that's one of the great unsolved mysteries the curfew siren has that horrible sound that apparently hits people who from outside of town pretty hard or gets worse as things go on. And it's one of the few things that remains standing even after everything is decimated by the hurricane and mm-hmm. still works. I find that it's interesting that he's adding the siren in because um, he's been uh, talked about working on Silent Hill or like an upcoming Silent Hill game that... That will never happen. Yeah. <laughs> but no. 
if anybody knows, the siren played a very strong role in yeah. Silent Hill. It's very um, iconic to the, the series now. Mm-hmm. Uh, Silent Hill came out after Uzumaki. Yes. Was Uzumaki published? 98. 98. Oh, it maybe maybe it did. Because I'm, now I'm looking when the first Silent Hill uh, game came out. I wonder if like that had any effect. I don't. I didn't play the oh. first Silent Hill. Uh, oh, it came out in 1999, so no, mm. uh, no, no uh, it wouldn't have been connected. Unless... Came first. All right, let's let's move to the next question. Okay. Alex gave us a good chunk of questions, so. Oh boy. Uh, <laughs> Kidie is a fairly normal teenage girl, making her a perfect protagonist and reader surrogate character. Do you think her interactions with Shuichi help the narrative, or is he sometimes too much of an info dump and it would be better for Kirie to discover things on her own? Oh, God, no. See, I mean, he only knows as much as she does. He's, yeah. it's... He's got more intuit. He doesn't know so much as he intuits everything better. Mm-hmm. She's I the one who also... seems a little clueless. At least yeah, initially. I, I think so, too. I think she, he kind of serves as a bit of a guide for her, too. Mm-hmm. I don't know. I love Shuichi's character. Because, like, even after his parents died, you think he would have left, but he stayed. And I, I like to think he stayed for Kirie. Aww. I like to think that, too. Yeah. He, he comes through for her time and again, too. Yeah. Like, the time they all get snatched up by the hurricane, and but he's there to grab her. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Or when he cuts her hair. Yeah. he's he, After she almost... After her hair almost kills him. He was a good boyfriend. <laughs> yeah, he was. Because here's the thing. Siriyeche isn't just like some uh, guy who pops up. He actually does uh, contribute to the story. He actually does do actions. He, You could tell there actually is a real love between him and her. And that's it makes sense in the end why if they're going to die anyway, they decide to twist together and be to get, die together. And that's it's it's like, again, it's... It's weirdly There's... romantic how they both, like, do that. Yeah. Mm-hmm. For me, it's hard to imagine the story without the other character. Same. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Like, a story of just Shuichi and Uzumaki or just Kide and Uzumaki. It doesn't work for me. I don't see it. Mm-hmm. Have we talked about how weird it is that, seem, like, everyone and everything at a certain point seems to have the hots for Kirie? <laughs> even even a typhoon has even a, a typhoon yeah <laughs> well no because during the one scene uh w- or the one uh with the girl who every guy is attracted to her i mean they were all ignoring kirie for that but she becomes obsessed with trying to be better than kirie and what's yeah, interesting because, to me yeah. is that she she so often is an object of obsession herself mm-hmm. oh good and, point I remember, like, she's the only one who doesn't really get affected by the spiral curse herself, but her hair does. And she didn't bring that on herself. No, that's a good point. Yeah. You know what's interesting is the whole hair chapter reminded me of the myth of the Fudokuchi Ona. Explain. Mm. Can you explain what that is? Uh, the Fudokuchi Ona is a, is a uh, woman who uh, whose hair becomes animated and um, starts taking things like food and shoving it into a mouth that appears on the back of the woman's head. Oh, like uh, like in uh, Schoolgirls. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Samson. Okay. Yep. Same. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, Furukuchiona usually is a is a is a, a, a particular yokai that is a uh, like I said is often depicted as someone who was starved by a miser and the hair starts taking control and taking things from the woman in order to feed this gluttonous mouth that appears on the back of the woman's head. Mm-hmm. So that didn't happen, but the hair becomes malignant and uh, intelligent in this. It, it so. kind of does happen where the the female character, she's the one who becomes gluttonous and, and wants the attention. And it's mm-hmm. she does the hair does starve her, feeding her and growing itself. Yeah, exactly. It's sort of a, a twist on that. And then Kyrie yeah. is like the more reluctant one, which is also a version of that myth where... The, the woman just wants to live her life, but the hair and the mouth have a mind of their own, and it just starts screaming at her until it feeds her, or until, mm. yeah, until it gets fed. So That's anyway, I, I know that wanders away from our question about Akirie and uh, Shuichi, but... I thought you answered that we, we, like, we, we think Shuichi plays a key role into the storyline. Yes. I th- yeah. think we all agree there, don't we? 
Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So we did talk briefly about how how the story kind of cuts up into two different parts where it's it's the series of events and then everything wrapping up together. Do you, well, The next question is, do you prefer the beginning of the story where Kirie and Shuichi are experiencing the events periodically or the end of the story when everything is cranking up to 11? I kind of like them both for different reasons, but the part where I started to really get into it was around the hospital chapters. Mm-hmm. And that was where things actually did slowly start to come together. Like there's an interconnectedness between them all. Because the lighthouse gets Kyrie into the hospital where the mosquitoes are and then everything, you know, just it just keeps going from there. Mm-hmm. I think I would have liked to have seen more of the elements from the first chapters when everything starts dropping up. Because like we do see the return of the snail people where like her brother and others are turning into snails and then that's what survivors start eating. I would have mm. liked to have seen, okay, well, where did all those pregnant women end up? And that's like, true. what became of the lighthouse? Because we didn't see the lighthouse. That would actually have been interesting. Yeah, like maybe there is, like as they're walking, there's more women with hair uh, like that are dead, but their hair is still connected to the phone wires or mm. yeah, or like the lighthouse is still spinning every night. And it, like we never did get a resolution to people who got hit by the light and then started spinning themselves. True. That true. That too. Or um, hell, the dead have reanimated. Look at Jack in the Box, kid. Well, that was see that one for me was the weakest because they explain him jumping around was because how he got um curled up under the car it was like the spring that they at first thought was his spine was just this giant spring from oh, the car that they so didn't the spring take out. was what was yeah yeah, right. yeah. okay it's, and again it's more it affects him alone rather than mm-hmm. yeah that's just i feel like that's his own thing rather than something that's, that could affect everybody yeah that's fair that that's fair but yeah no i agree there should have been a little bit more nods back to stuff that happened previously that's mm-hmm. probably one thing I would have appreciated more. I, uh, but really, we only really got the call back to the snails. Although um, there was a little bit of that early on where people stopped bury- stopped cremating the dead because of the way the ashes kept rising. Mm. and then, Or then there was also the call back to Shuichi's dad when he looks at the ring of the tree and sees his father. Mm-hmm. That was a nice little nod. Yeah. Or like the clay from Dragonfly Pond where the ashes descended, becoming the pottery. Anyway. Yeah, we do hear uh, later on like a... Uh, Kitie's father is like, okay, well, everything's shit, but I still want to go and make more pottery. (laughs) (laughs) Can't get away from his obsession. Yeah. I I feel there could have been a better way to connect everything together. Like, like, again, like, um... To make it spiral more. Yeah. Yeah. Maybe just a little more seamless, but I think overall, none of us really have anything to complain too much. Oh, God. I'm not not like, oh, how dare you? This story sucks because of this. I'm just saying it could have made it nicer, but... I still love the story. Yeah. Okay. So two more questions from Alex. Uh, next one. The spiral is a unique shape, mathematically derived and found throughout nature in a wide variety of ways. Why do you guys think uh, Ido chose the spiral as the focus for this piece as compared to other shapes or trends in nature? Actually, Beth has a similar question that uh, I feel like it connected to. It's like, why do each of you think that the, what the spiral means or represents? Uh, you, I read a little bit that one of the reasons he went with the spiral, because originally he had the idea of the, the row house that um, of people living in this row house that kept growing. And then he was like, oh, a spiral would be the perfect shape for that. And so from there, his interest in the spiral is where this, it came from, because uh, I guess in Japanese media or what it said in the article I read, tends to have a, a, a positive tone to it. Like uh, when you have those really happy kind of comedic characters, like they'll have a little spiral on their cheeks. Oh, yeah, that's right. Or when a character a gets dizzy in a silly way. Yeah, 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 yeah. Or like the goofy character with glasses, there's spirals in the glasses. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So he just was like, fuck that. I want to make spirals scary. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, it sounds like him. That's that's something I yeah. <laughs> yeah. We're like, I'm gonna take cute cats and make that scary. I'm gonna take cute spirals and make that scary. <laughs> <laughs> and then also, um, I think we mentioned how the spiral represents uh people's obsessions, especially in the first half. Uh-huh. Mm-hmm. The idea of how of everything spiraling out of control. Just basically the spiral meaning descending or uh, ascending in some cases. Yeah. Basically losing control. Mm-hmm. I think yeah. if you follow the, the, the theme of obsession, the story with the scar is my favorite. Mm-hmm. Because it isn't until 
she uh, meets Suichi, who wants nothing to do with her, and up until then, every boy has has wanted her. Um, that the the scar starts to turn into this spiral, and like her obsession with getting Suichi to be hers, it starts to consume her to the point that it then eats her eye and blinds her. Yeah. Um, oh my god. And yeah. So that that but the scar one's my favorite. Following that theme. Well, I just kind of answered the next question. Which individual story do you think is the strongest out of the series? Oh, the strongest. Or maybe your personal favorite. Personal favorite. Kind of touched on that earlier, too, though. Yeah, yeah. we did. Well, I, talk, I talked about the... I asked what, which ones creeped you out the most, mainly. Mm-hmm. I'm trying to go through in my head, like, what each one was. I think I have the the titles listed in front of me if you want me to go through them. I mean, you could. I think, I honestly, because they're so interconnected, I think the first two really spoke to me and are a great introduction to the series. And I'm a sucker for stories that have to, that feel like haunting. Mm-hmm. And I like the idea that, especially in the second one, the obsession with spirals that drove uh, Yuichi's, uh, not Yuichi, uh, Suichi's father to suicide now are at a, a point of fear obsession with the mother and that every time she sees a spiral, she sees her dead husband saying, come join me in the spiral. Mm-hmm. Uh, that scene where they're talking to the hospital director and Shuichi notices the anatomy chart behind him and he can see the little spiral in the ear and he's just like trying to play it super cool and like so his mother doesn't notice it too yeah, yeah. that was that part oh. made me really nervous as like yeah. oh, shit. Yeah. Yeah. yeah the the tension there is superb and like mm-hmm. it's horrifying at the end when you see that she's like oh my god i know now there's a spiral in the ear i have to get it out and she mm-hmm. stabs herself in the ear with a pair of scissors it's horrible yeah. mm-hmm. we don't even really we don't even see herself stab yeah. but we 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 can picture it we know it happens the implications mm-hmm. are awful. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I, I'm going to agree with, with the scar was my favorite, but those first two chapters, I think, are the strongest. Same, actually. Because I, I, I agree. I, the two that stood out to me the most were the scar one and the pregnant one for different reasons. But I agree. The two strong one, the, the strongest were the two beginnings, because that was the one that's like, I need to read more. Yeah. I, I think my favorites are the pregnancy one and the one with um, the Twisted Souls one with, with Romeo and Juliet. Um, oh, yeah. Mm-hmm. I do like the end. That one, I think, was the happiest ending. Yeah, I think yeah. that's <laughs> like, one. I'm always a sucker two. for anything that refers to Shakespeare or like in any way references Shakespeare and its storytelling. Right. It was a bit of a happy ending. But that's yeah, I agree true. with you guys with the two first chapters being the strongest. They live in the ocean now. They, they have become the sea serpent. Awesome. Yeah, there you go. I also I actually really like the lighthouse story too. Just putting that out there. Yeah, that I one... like it, but I feel like for me it was a little disconnected from the rest of it, just because I we later then it it feels unresolved to me. Yeah, I mean like who it was built just the lighthouse. Like... Why is it doing the weird thing it's doing? Like yeah, and then the last note of it was like they'll probably take it down eventually. But yeah. nope, not while it's lighting, setting out a crazy light and apparently setting people on fire. But yeah, um, do we have any other? questions good question from i think we just have the questions from beth left yeah okay now this one um i'm not sure if any of you know about this uh so there is a film oh i do know about this yes so i do uh, not so (laughs) yeah there's a film um in 2006 i want to say uh basically about that's based off uzumaki called uzumaki and actually cinema nippon does a review on it wait what how did i miss Mm -hmm. this I'm going to go, can we, can we, can we stop? I'm going to go watch this right now. <laughs> well, actually I do, I do want to propose an idea. Um, definitely. I love, I love some of the ghosts. Check out Cinema Nippon. Uh, I know David just did something with them on Satoshi Kon. That's right. Um, Speaking that of- was great. So check that out too. But I was going to suggest, how about the four of us watch the Uzumaki film and take over the witching hour for an episode and discuss the film and compare uh, it to yeah, like that the whole episode. Like a good idea. Yes. Yes, I'm so it. I'm so down. Because uh, Beth wanted to know what do you think about the changes that were made. Contrast. I, I've never seen it. I don't think any of us have ever seen it. I I've seen the start of it. because uh, in high school, I think it was I think it was that when I was in high school. Because I remember we had Japanese club and we were watching it. But I left early with my girlfriend for reasons you don't need to know about. And, uh... <laughs> you had to go see a man about a horse. Uh, yes. Um, 
So, but I do want to see it again. So that's my that was my proposal. If you guys want to watch it, and we'll take over the witching hour. I yeah. like this plan. I'm super okay. game. All right. So that one will be that question will be uh, answered for another episode. Um, right. And then this is Beth's final final one. Um, how does the medium of a as a um, graphic novel help or hinder uh, the story? And would anything be lost if told like in a typical novel, like just by with uh, only writing. I think because the pattern, the the spiral pattern is so eye-catching, it would be hard to convey that at, in just words. I was going to say pretty much the same thing. I think this yeah, one like, works so strongly because of the pattern recognition. Mm-hmm, like you need to be able to see it. You can't really it's describe thing, a spiral and be like, oh, that's horrifying. No, having yeah. the spiral be front and center in front of you. Like you can, like if you, we had read, you know, oh, they lifted the lid of the wooden bathtub and inside Suichi's father was tightly spiraled. His whole body was tightly spiraled with like his, like the end of his hand sticking out. Like it, you could imagine it in your head, but just Junji Ito's art just is, conveys it so beautifully and horrifically. I don't, know. Yes. I don't think it'd be the same. I don't think it'd be the same. No, I agree. Because <laughs> even if as a uh, novel, because I try to imagine this, I'm like, you would have to add some sort of artwork, especially with the spirals, because... There is a novel version, though, right? Doesn't the novel version have, like, the, the, the title and some of the cover text in a spiral on the cover? Does it? I unless I Unless I freaking imagined it in my head. I don't know. They, there might be. I, I didn't look it up or anything. I'll see if I look it up right now. But I feel like it would need to be this like round, this cover book, and just the entire body of text is just a spiral. So you have to turn the book as you're reading. Oh, <laughs> do like a uh, House of Leaves thing. Yeah, and that's what I would think it would have to be is like some sort of House of Leaves because it it depends on that visual. Yeah. Mm-hmm. It just says there is a video game. Two it's video, video games. Game. Uh, two video games were developed. Um, the first, Uzumaki Denshi Kaiki Ken, or Spirals, Power Vision Strange Edition, uh, released on in 2000, and it's a visual novel. Uh, re- basically, <laughs> my favorite kind. Uh, and then the second game is a simulation game, and players are tasked <laughs> by <laughs> what? Kurozu Cho Tycoon. Yeah, players. <laughs> can you build all the row houses in time? Oh my god! So, so players are tasked. <laughs> can, you, by... can your row houses earn more money than your neighbors' row houses? <laughs> actually, actually, you play the villain. So, players are tasked by Uzumaki Senen to spread the spiral curse. Your objective is to spread the curse across the town and find hidden objects to gain more spiral power. Oh my god, this sounds amazing. Wow, this is, oh my god, please. Oh, uh, now I want to play this. So you get to, you're basically, you're playing as the, you're playing as whatever fell power is in that eldritch spiral city underneath the earth. Mm-hmm. <laughs> That's so cool. I, well, I'm going to have I, to look those up, both of them. They're probably both in Japanese. If, if they were translated to English, I would play it. Same. And uh, eventually, when I'm done learning Japanese, maybe I'll reward myself by playing it. There you go. I mean, I think that that's all the questions from Beth. Uh, Any any other thoughts we need to unravel to get ourselves out of this? I uh, I don't know if we're going to be able to get out of this. We're in the we're we're caught in the spiral curse now. (laughs) Next time we talk about it, go grab Brandon and drag him into it because I want a romantic ending. (laughs) Yeah, I'm going to. Do the same with Kayla. Yay. I, I'm i going to turn into a snail then. Aww. <laughs> Aww. No, then, then we, we all have to be snails. That's that's <laughs> the ending to this. We all turn into snail people. Yeah. I would rather that because I was about to say then we'd have to eat Sade. Yeah. I don't want to eat Sade. That sounds awful. Well, God, do Watch what you got to do to survive. <laughs> so, hey, sometime in the future, we should still, I think, talk about those other two graphic novels, but we can wait a while for those. Yes, uh, we'll definitely hit the other titles. Uh, we had uh, Through the Woods by Emily Carroll, and then we also had David. Uh, Arkham Asylum, A Serious House on Serious Earth by Grant Morrison. Uh, we'll definitely hit those up in the future, but for our next episode, dot, dot, dot. Can I make a request for next time? Sure. Sure. Okay. There's been recent news about this, and that's why I've been thinking about it. One of my favorite uh, childhood books, A House with a Clock in Its Walls by John Belairs. How's that sound? Never Sounds heard of it, good. but okay. 
Sweet. Same. <laughs> you're, awesome. you're, but, I just looked it up. I, the book it was illustrated by Edward Gorey. That's one of the things it's most well known for, honestly. <laughs> Edward Gorey's illustrations are quite prominent in that book. Awesome. All right. What are we what are what are we all doing independently of this show that I'm we might want to tell stuff. <laughs> Good. <laughs> if you like my drawings, go follow me on Twitter or DeviantArt or Patreon and I'll eventually post stuff again. Woot. Woot. Do it. I do two podcasts. Three pot uh, three podcasts beyond this one. Uh, we just released a new episode of Midnight Marinara a little earlier this month. It's a backdoor pilot for a, a radio serial I want to do in the future. So if that sounds like something you'd be interested in, go check it out. It's called uh, the episode is called It's Always a Zombie. Uh, meanwhile, Undercooked Analysis, we are just now cracking the surface of C.K. Walker's Boraska which should also be a fun, entertaining read for anybody who likes um, uh, creepypasta and um, no sleep horror fiction. I recommend it. That's what I'm doing. Oh, and Animusings, right, Kayla? Yeah, uh, we just released an Animusings episode of Make My Music. And then next month, we will be addressing Fun and Fancy Free and the a side episode of Song of the South. Oh, boy. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, so join us next time then uh, for uh, a house in a, a house the, with a clock in its walls. The house with a clock in its walls. It's the house. Yeah. What have I done with my life? I know. It's one of my favorite books. Okay, I got I gotta go. This is bad. <laughs> you said it's. You could probably find it your local library. Yeah, it's pretty easy to find. Yeah, we'll see if I can find uh, any other links to it, and I'll put those in the show notes. Okay. Um, send us in your questions and comments on it to Facebook or Twitter at Darkly Lit. We also have an email, darklylitpodcast at gmail and you can also check out our page on creativehorror.com where you can find our show notes and our sister podcast, The Witching Hour, which is what I do outside of this. Awesome. Well, let's uh, turn off the light and hopefully we don't see uh, spirals as we leave. So. Oh, shoot. I stepped on a snail. Go no! snap. <laughs> that was my brother. Oh, no. no! no! <laughs> I'm so sorry. <laughs> my name is... Go Montoya. You killed my brother. Prepare to die. <laughs> <laughs>